chance on here. Pulisic picks up the loose ball and he could be in. Christian Pulisic for Chelsea, 1-0! Quick thinking by Alisson, and if Salah could lift it, still Salah, Salah! The Ghost Goal Podcast. Desperate times call for desperate measures, so I had to whip out the good old-fashioned reverse jinx one more time. Alex is a coward. And it paid off for me, Javier. It paid off. England lost on penalties to Italy last Sunday in the Euro final. Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho, and Bukayo Saka missing three in a row to finish off the shootout for England until, uh, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do this. I'm, I'm so happy. Javier, I, I've, I, I'm not gonna try and claim that it was a re- legitimate reverse jinx. It was, I, I, I legitimately thought England were going yeah, to win we all, that game. Yeah, I but did just too. looking at the talent on both teams, you know, they go up like to, I gotta say, welcome to the Ghost Call podcast. Didn't even mention you know the name of the podcast. Uh, I'm Alex here with Javier. Uh, you can tell we've got a lot to talk about because we're diving right into a, one of two finals that were absolutely you know colossal events this weekend. Uh, but <laughs> two minutes in, England go up, and you're just thinking, uh, "There's no way they throw this away." I thought it and was going to be stays like, one nil. But yeah, you're right. As soon as it stayed one nil, and like. They didn't really like they. They were, no. They looked good the first fifteen minutes. I don't want to say they completely took their foot off the pedal, but like after those first fifteen minutes, they, they well, kind of okay. did. Okay, so yeah, that counts as taking your foot off the pedal. <laughs> if you stop playing after fifteen minutes, I think they had two shots on goal the entire game. So one shot on goal after they went up one nil. Two their, minutes. Their in. expected goal in extra time was zero. Oof. Yeah, zero. It didn't, they just had it didn't straight seem up like zero either team goals. wanted to play once it was, you know, at 1-1. It seemed like Italy kind of knew the situation they were in. They had enough experience to understand. Uh, we just need to make sure that this, you know, the England don't get any sort of momentum behind them and that the crowd doesn't get too behind them. And they just sort of staved even the yeah, whole game. The, and the crowd went absolutely bonkers yeah. after they scored that in the first two minutes. Like the stadium was so loud. You could tell people had really missed footy. Just want to say it was great to have a, a, a full stadium again. I don't know how, people, how many people are probably going to die because of the game, but you know, I, I think I think there was some sort Wait, of requirement. You mean, you where, mean like, other than like the riots of people trying to get in and the the people beating the shit out right, of Italian all, fans, all the fucking like, crazy the shit that was happening before the game, right? Outside of those people, England. of course. Classy England. Also, them singing Cocaine "It's Coming Home" is a and, hell then, of a drug. and then all of the all of the Romans at the end were just like the "It's Romans. coming," or all of all of the <laughs> Italians were like "It's coming, Rome." It's coming to Rome. Just, Thank you for not classic. trying to it's sing just, the song this time, Javier. I don't think I could have stood no, for I it. Didn't, I didn't do it this time. <laughs> it went through my mind, and I was like, no, no, I won't do it. Alex Alex will hate me. To P. Diddy's, it, you know. Yeah, you're singing. You, you don't like P. Diddy's song, you, Alex? You know what? I mean, I hate the, the, the song that you're attempting to sing enough that uh, you singing the incorrect song is actually kind of funny. Like, you know, taking a step back yeah, from Yeah, I was butchering it on ha- purpose. Having some time to, you know, step back and uh, and, you know analyze it yeah i realize that it's actually funny um but but yeah let's back to the game in italy they played really well 
I was honestly surprised at how pretty much, I mean, I know that they had to, they had to attack England, but you know, even after they went down one nil, they could have easily conceded chances on the counterattack. Benucci and Chiellini were, I mean, we thought that we've like talked about them as being like top five center backs in the world in previous years. seems like they're still like at that level when they play together. Um, and you know, I don't know if like that disruption a few years ago when Benucci went to Milan and like, you know, now he's back at Juventus and it seems like they got their chemistry back. They have their solidity back, you know. Yeah, but it's also a much what, what, it's a much different ask. Well, I was about, than well, I was about to a say, 38 game I was about season. To say, the 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 the, the say, like you could tell like someone like Emerson who who played in this game, he even did this I think he did a pretty good job like defensively. I know he like attacking wise, he wasn't what you usually think of Emerson who's more of like an attacking fullback, but seemed like he did a good defensive job and still a Di Lorenzo, another one who we've like, criticized for his defensive work. I thought he they, they were just absolutely monstrous defensively at the back. Um, and then Jorginho. I mean, I thought Jorginho was was excellent. I thought if he had actually gone down injured in that first half in like the 30th minute where it looked like he might have had to come off, I don't think Italy win that game at all or even tie it. Um, I think he was he was just constantly that, you know, metronome, as they like to call him. And Il metronomo. He just, he, he just always kept the ball moving to, mostly to, to Barella, who then, you know, was able to move it a few further yards up to Chiesa, who constantly throughout the entire game until he came off, um, I think it was an extra time or maybe at the end of the second half, uh, I, which was a weird move by Mancini, but Chiesa was phenomenal. You know, I, uh, him, Insigne, Insigne was great too. I, 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 like, I wasn't he, impressed by Insigne, but... His work off the ball, honestly, <laughs> like that's one thing that yeah, I didn't sure. I didn't notice until this game where just Italy had to do a lot of work without the ball. I mean, they didn't we talked about it. Like England still had a lot of possession. They still had good midfielders and Italy didn't have as much possession as they were used to having. It wasn't just the Spain game. It was like 50, 50, you know, which, yeah, but Italy's influence like gradually grew throughout the game, which is something that I've did, constantly mentioned to you in regards specifically to Jorginho. That's how he usually plays in big games. It's kind of a rough start as he kind of figures out the, his opponent, the, the his footing in the game where he's going to be best utilized but he just usually and gradually throughout a game gets better and better and better and grows in sort of his influence. And yeah, like, like I said, I don't think that's a coincidence that that's how the game kind of went for Italy. Uh, and definitely agree with your the, the statement about if Jorginho had gone off, I don't think we're sitting here celebrating like we are now. And we celebrated in the Moss household. We celebrated, no offense, not nothing specifically on soccer. We celebrated England losing like we did uh, Chelsea winning the Champions League final. It, like it was my dad's birthday. We had like a big celebration, beers, barbecue, everything. It, it means that much. Like it's not just trolling the English fans. Like obviously that is fun to do as well, but it means a lot to a whole lot of people that England lost that game. And also I think a lot of people felt uh, completely irrespective of the, the whole England storyline that Italy were the team of this tournament. Like we started this tournament seeing the Italians take apart the Turkish 3-0, which seemed surprising at the time. Turkey were one of the dark horses in, in that group and to possibly have a good tournament. So to see Italy just like from the jump be like this whole like reincarnated version of themselves where, you know, they still have the, the what you would identify uh, with uh, a, a classic Italian team and, you know, good defensive players like Bonucci and Chiellini and, and uh, generational talent in goal like Donnarumma, just shades of young Buffon in the 90s. 
uh, it still has those aspects, but then it has these it has these great and intellectual players like Chiesa up front and Jorginho and Verratti in the midfield. The, the, that midfield battle, it, it seemed like it was going to be hard for Italy at first, but little by little, uh, Phillips and Rice, their influence went out of the game. The England tried bringing on Jordan Henderson and, you know, even him, a Champions League winner and, you know, a Premier League winner in recent times. He didn't really have much of an influence on the game. Like everything England tried, I, I know that I know that for. Kieran Trippier put in the cross for Shaw in like the second minute, but like I just don't agree with Southgate and the, the three, four, lining three. up with the three four three. Yeah, decision. the three four three. Just bringing that out in this game, especially when they played so well the last couple games in the four three three, and it didn't even seem like it helped them that much defensively. But, but what do you think about England needed the extra? Do you help think it would have been any different? I kind of I feel like they would have. They would have been definitely better attacking wise if they had like Grealish on in the midfield but or when something. When they switched or even to four like, three three in the second half, it's still they, they got worse. Italy's influence on in the game just grew. It, yeah, but like you know that like when you switch a, a midfield like that in like the middle of the game or your formation, it doesn't it usually doesn't work. Like it's right. not the best. So basically, like most basically you players. think that it would be it would have worked better if they had started from the offing, trained and prepared using that. Uh, and how that was going to play out rather than switching to it mid-game. I can kind of see that. I also that, think but playing Walker and Trippier as your wingbacks, is, or well, I guess it was Shaw and Trippier, but just having that, like, it's very defensive. I don't know. And then, like, Rice and Phillips I mean, those were the two as players defensive that midfielders. the goal. The- no, I know, I know. But I'm just saying, like, it's super defensive. Shaw, Shaw is, like, a pretty attacking fullback. But I just thought the whole lineup was very defensive, very made to not lose. And when you're at home and you kind of have the onus to go and win the tournament like uh, you i mean you thought like remember you were thinking england were going to win like 3-1 and then you you changed your mind at the end and you know put up said 1-0 but like england were never even cut, came close to scoring a goal after that first goal and i don't know i was just i was just very disappointed they had so much attacking talent there were so many amazing players on the bench like sancho like Grealish, like saka like rashford like Rashford just came on. Rashford and Sancho just came on to take penalties. I mean, that, when that, you have talent like we that, need to get, we need to get to that criminal. Because yeah, that's absolutely criminal in my opinion. Like, how do you not bring on Saka? How do you not bring on Sancho? How do you not bring on Rashford much earlier to try to make a difference Saka, in the game? Like, Saka, he brought on plenty early. He brought him on for uh, Trippier, like in the middle of the second half. He got like a good amount of time. But the the Sancho and Rashford substitutions he made right at the end of the the end of the extra time, the second extra time. When they had been showing like Rashford and Sancho like ready to go in the middle of the uh, halftime of extra time, like he could have brought them on for at least that last fifteen minutes, so they at least feel like a bit involved in the game and like they've had more of uh, a say on how the game's going to go than just one kick in front of sixty thousand fans in the stadium plus millions more watching at home. Like when that that kind of pressure, I, I don't think. There are a lot of like TV like personalities and pundits that like have like oversell things and make like platitudes that are just kind of lazy. But I, I, that's not one. I don't think having literally being told like, oh, we're bringing you on in injury time of extra it's the same time. Same with Saka. The dude's literally never taken a professional penalty. Right. Why was he the fifth penalty taker? Right. Like you literally and, have Raheem Sterling and Jack Grealish who have at points in time taken penalties for their club and scored them. Not not even not especially even that. Raheem Sterling. Harry Kane taking like, the first senior- penalty. Like, right. I mean, I know Jorginho missed, but there's a reason he's the final penalty taker for, for Italy with the fifth one. I mean, he scored it in the last round to put them through to the final. You put your best penalty taker either at fourth or fifth. Like, I saw Argentina do the same thing with uh, Messi in the Colombia shootout, uh, where they put him first or second, and it, that ended up working out for them. But it, I was still thinking as I was watching that, like, 
Like, why? Like, wh- why are you doing that? Like, I get it. You want to get off to a good start in the shootout, but it's just a fact that these penalties are not as high pressure as those last two are going to be. They're just more likely to be. So to have a 19-year-old take those, I, obviously the racism and the racist abuse to those three players specifically who missed their penalties for England is, you know, that's awful. You can't make any, uh, many excuse for that. But you, you can't blame those players like Yes, it's a penalty. They should score, but they're young. They're inexperienced. Two of them were brought in just to take a penalty, which isn't enough pressure as is. And then the other one's 19 and never taken, like you said, any like professional level penalty before. The, the, the sole blame for this needs to be on Gareth Southgate because there's a many, many decisions or like different ways he could have approached that that just make too much sense even to, you know, two guys sitting at home in their their rooms right now talking about this, <laughs> you know, like it, it's such an easy fit. Like if you put Saka up first or uh, Sancho up first and kept Kane for the fourth or fifth penalty, I'd be sitting here like, ah, well, Kane missed his penalty. Like, I don't think, I mean, there'd be some questions maybe about Saka taking a penalty still, but it, as the first one, it doesn't seem as big of a mistake as having him there when the fifth one came up. Like when his face popped up, it was one of the few times that I've ever thought to myself, like, oh, my God, I hope England score because <laughs> his penalty was obviously the one to uh, it wasn't the one to win it. It was the one to stop them from losing uh, like it, the penalty shootout would have just continued. So it was like very little sort of glory for if he scored it, but uh, so much to lose if if he didn't score. And he obviously didn't. And you just really felt for the kid 19 years old and be put in a situation like that. That's, that's rough as shit. And I don't, I don't see how Southgate having been the player who has, you know, been in that situation before for England in the 96 euros uh, at Wembley in the penalty shootout against the Germans, he missed his, the, he missed the pivotal penalty kick that knocked them out. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why everyone's like, how could he make this mistake? It, It just doesn't, it doesn't compute at all. So I think England, they have no one but themselves to blame, not just for the penalties, but also for, like you said, like you said, for how they approach the game. I have to give credit to the referee who I thought had the best performance of the tournament. There was all there was like dives. There was penalty shouts, handballs. There were so many different things that you the controversial moments, but the dude handled it perfectly. He got every single call right. He didn't let the players dictate the game especially England when they were leading like they were trying to waste time from like the 20th minute and he just wasn't having yeah, it that was Kane and Sterling Kane and Sterling were like diving like in the middle of the field or in the penalty box and he was just telling them to get up he wasn't calling fouls on them and I don't know I just I, just, I wish we had uh Bjorn Kuypers in, in in England he would instantly be the best uh referee in my opinion but yeah like like England have, have no one else to blame they had the home advantage they had all of the momentum in the world the more talented they squad had the more talented squad, arguably, probably they didn't have the most more talented manager, and kind of shown in the end, right? Like Mancini, I really feel like Mancini had a huge influence on Italy during this tournament, especially you know the way that they played the four three three the whole time, the way that they had an attacking style, um, and how he pretty much stuck with the same players throughout the entire tournament. I know he had a couple tweaks in those first couple games of the group stage, but. Through the knockout rounds, he he found his best team, and once Chiesa got in the lineup, I mean, you just knew that that this team could could always do something with. A, a, he's really a special player, you know. He's a player who, like, even a couple of years ago, he was on Fiorentina and was not known to be like he was like a young talent, but you didn't think that this guy was going to be a world beater. And then um, 
yeah, just you know, it, I think definitely a fun player to look to look forward to in the future. I think because uh, Bernadeschi, who uh, you know scored his penalty in this game, and you know obviously didn't have as big of an impact as Chiesa did throughout this tournament, but Bernadeschi was pretty much the same kind of player from Fiorentina. Got his move to Juventus maybe a year or two before uh, Chiesa did. And then, you know, Chiesa quickly followed. You just kind of thought like, oh, wow, like Fiorentina are churning out these, you know, tricky Italian uh, young wingers that are lighting Serie A on fire. But we don't know yet whether they can uh, do it at like the Champions League level or like winning the winning the title consistently at, at Juventus. And where Bonadeschi has, you know, kind of failed to really impress Chiesa has been outstanding in in the chances he's been given. Remember, he wasn't even starting at the Chiesa beginning of this and, tournament. Uh, and Kulusevski is is I mean that's that's two really yeah. good young winners that we saw this tournament. I know we only saw a little bit of Kulusevski, but that's those are two young like amazing wingers that Juventus have that they need to build around those two players because I think they could you know really be special for the next decade. So. But yeah, super impressed with Italy. I think that they're going to be a threat in this next World Cup. But do you remember like when we started recording these pods that I was like every single tournament Italy are like underdogs or dark horses and then like some they usually end up like in the semifinals or winning it. It was the same shit with Italy in 2006. Like I I swear nobody was calling Italy to win that tournament. Nobody thought like this like it was an old Italian side with like, you know, some good players still, but you didn't think that that team was going to go Thank on you and for win reminding the whole tournament. Me. Thank you for reminding me because one thing that I think kind of been Cannavale, that was the last time also a defender won the Ballon d'Or. Yeah. The Ballon d'Or Before Van Dyke. We won that year and then Donnarumma won well, Van Dyke the recently won it, didn't he? Or was he Oh no, I'm talking no, about no, no, I'm thinking of PFA no, player he of won, the year. He won like PFA player yeah. of the year, but no, the Ballon d'Or and then, you know, for this tournament for Donnarumma to win Player, uh, player of the tournament, a goalkeeper's never won it. I was kind of surprised. Um, so I think that's 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 really impressive for me, and I think he deserved it. He was he was a star. I don't think we talked he, about him enough. He, he deserves um, it for them winning two penalty shootouts in the semifinal and final, and him being he so made huge, huge saves right. throughout the, the tournament. Yeah, like he was he was he was a monster, and and even with like it would have been all of the were, transfer stuff, all of the transfer stuff like looming around him, huh? No. I mean, Pickford Definitely conceded Pickford. fewer goals. If he had won that uh, penalty shootout, then couldn't you just put the same? Or I guess it would be Raheem Sterling. They'd probably give it to Raheem Sterling if England had won the I, tournament. I, I also, I also think England didn't play as hard teams as Italy did. I don't know about that. I mean, they beat Croatia, uh, round yeah. of sixteen team. They beat Czech Republic, Ukraine. a quarter finalist. Yeah. Czech Republic, yeah. They beat Germany. England had a tough they had a tough tournament in terms of like matchups but they just played the most of their games at home and the one game they played away from home it's against a Ukraine team that was a little out of its depth and very heavily injured so yeah so they they had things going against them and for them but uh yeah I don't know the Donnarumma one kind of took me by surprise I I guess I kind of thought it would be like Bonucci or maybe even Jorginho I think it was probably probably a little part of me thought People aren't. People still aren't giving Jorginho the respect he deserves. I actually think they got, actually think they got the, the team of the team of the season right. Yeah, that, that brings me to the team of the season. I actually, I, I actually the, te- the team of the tournament. I have a couple. The team of the tournament. Oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry, team of team of the tournament. Uh, okay, I'll start by just listing it before I talk about what, what players I have a, an issue with or questions over. Uh, Donnarumma, obviously, player of the tournament in goal. He won the player of the tournament uh, award just after uh, the final whistle. 
Uh, right back, Kyle Walker from England. Uh, the two center backs are Leonardo Bonucci and uh, Harry Maguire, Italy and England. And then uh, Leonardo Spinazzola at left back, who obviously suffered that uh, Achilles tear in the in the semifinal. But he was obviously, he, he probably would have been up there for player of the tournament if he'd stayed healthy and, and won that uh, with Italy. I, I, you wouldn't have seen any anyone against that. Then in midfield, uh, Jorginho, uh, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg from Denmark and uh, Pedri from Spain. We've talked about him a lot on this podcast. And the front three is Chiesa, Lukaku, and Sterling. Now, I have two issues with this, maybe like one and a half. My half, my sort of issue, sort of not, is Hoiberg being in there, only because I feel like he's just in there because it's clear to everyone that Denmark d- need to have a player in there. Well, I was gonna say, who who uh, do, would you put Delaney over like Hoiberg? I thought I, I thought both were like I, monstrous so in the I'm midfield. Like, that, I honestly I, thought Hoiberg that, was so good in the midfield I'm not for saying, Denmark. I'm not I didn't, I didn't disagree isn't good. with that with him picking. It wasn't good yeah. for the tournament. I'm just saying it's clear that he's in there because they needed to put a Danish player would you have in put, there. Like Damsgaard, no, I would. Or like, I, if you gave me any pick of any player in the tournament, I would have put uh, Emil Forsberg in there. He had four goals. Yeah, that's fair. Like that's fair for a team that wasn't that was, scoring to start the tournament. He he yeah, turned yeah, up that's in fair. a big way. Uh, but I'm, I'm I'm not saying I don't think a Denmark player deserves to be in there. I think they just chose the position or who I don't even know how they decided on this. That uh, I guess there wasn't like an ideal an ideal player to fit right, in what's anywhere your, else. What's your half issue? Alex? That, that was my half, half issue? issue because I understand why they did it. The one I don't understand at all is Lukaku instead of Patrick Schick. Patrick Schick has to be the center forward in this. I get it. Yeah, Lukaku was that's good also... in a couple of group games. What did Lukaku do other than the penalty in those two knockout two knockout games? Like, I mean, he was he was good. He was threatening. Yeah, but, and he created like then, space and chances for then other you've players. Got Patrick but yeah, Schick, I agree. Who you know, joint golden Schick boot was winner. monstrous. Like, yeah. he, sh- he should have been in there. Maybe even Chiesa. I I, I can't think of a replacement for Chiesa. But I, I just a part of me is thinking like he didn't play enough. He wasn't starting for the first two or three games of the tournament. I think the third game was his first start. But yeah, he, he he didn't really make like a big big impact until that Austria game in the first uh, knockout round. So that's half a tournament. Yes, he did have an impact. I'm not saying he didn't play well, but I'm just saying if you're you're looking at players that played the majority of the tournament, uh, yeah, didn't he? He, he uh, maybe Demsgard over him, but Demsgard you could probably make the yeah, same maybe. kind of case for because of. Uh, but no, I I like I like Patrick Schick over Lukaku. Um, I knew you would, Javier. I think I, knew you'd see the light. I, I honestly. I think I think Hoiberg does deserve to be team of the I honestly think the back line they got perfectly right. I thought Walker was uh Walker and Maguire were definitely the the England's two best defenders this whole tournament. I thought Walker was pretty imperious at the back. Benucci as well. I think you could have picked Benucci or Chiellini, but I think it's cuz Chiellini was, got that really important and Chiellini goal. was injured for two or three games there. They had to have a Serbi okay. come in in the group stage. Okay. And then Pedri, I mean, Pedri would have probably been one of my first players to be on this team of the season yep. or the team of the tournament cuz I think Pedri was you know, arguably, obviously, he won Young Player of the Tournament, but he could have been the Player of the Tournament in my opinion. Like I thought he was electric, and um, just from start to finish in every single game, he was Spain's best player. So he won Young Player of the Tournament too, which is uh, worth mentioning. He did, he did. That is worth mentioning. And then uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, another Golden Boot. Uh, Lionel Messi. I don't know. Golden I don't boot. know how that that goes down. Well, Schick and Schick and Ronaldo are going to share it. They but. share it. Okay. Yeah. So team of the tournament. Pretty, pretty uh, cut and dry other than one or two positions. Let's move on to Copa America. Lionel Messi finally got his first major international trophy with Argentina. 
He went bah. He went to the Maracanã and he beat Brazil 1-0. I'm pretty sure that was the first the, time Brazil had lost. The GOAT. <laughs> the GOAT. He is the GOAT. I'm pretty sure. We will have this debate on another pod, but he is the GOAT. That's a matter of fact. Okay. All, He's the best. all I'll say, because I didn't want to do Not this just, on this one. I, I mean, I wanted yes. to initially, and then we don't really have enough time, but we don't have all time. I want to say but, is that the one gripe I have and my overall feeling about the Messi versus Ronaldo debate is it's so subjective because this game is so subjective that if you tell me Lionel Messi is the player that you would start your team with if you wanted to make the greatest team imaginable, I would completely understand that. But when you get to a point where you're just saying, it's not even a debate, it's like it's like it's laughable that you would consider it a debate, I, I just don't even respect you anymore because different people want different things from their teams. If you look no further than Mourinho versus Pep Guardiola and like the great battles we've made those out to be over the years over how you can have success in different ways, it's all a matter of preference. The great quote that I'm not going to get exactly right uh, is that Lionel Messi is like if an artist created a footballer and Cristiano Ronaldo is if an engineer created a footballer. It's just two different takes on excellence that have both achieved numbers that will dwarf anything anyone else does afterwards. Like we're already trying to build up like Holland and Mbappe and all these other great young players to, you know, be the next Ronaldo versus Messi. And we're setting them up for failure because the fact of the matter is like if they get anywhere close to what Ronaldo and Messi have done in their careers, club and country, I'll be extremely surprised because injuries come into factor. Lionel Messi won player of the tournament. He won the golden boot. He had the most assists. He's completely dominant from start to finish in this tournament. And and I I said it at the beginning. You kind of laughed at me when I I said this was the best team that Argentina has had around Lionel Messi. And they went on to win the tournament. Like I was calling it from the beginning. I think that having Romero start at center back in that last game. For me, Romero was Romero and Di Maria were the two best players for Argentina against Brazil, um, and without Romero, another at- great Atalanta player. You know, it seems like Atalanta in both tournaments just had were chock full of players, and for me, they were the the club of the summer in terms you know of that's all of their players showing up. You know, that's not true. Sh- Chelsea had uh, uh, Chelsea, the only team with players in all four semifinalists at the Euros, who were guaranteed to win it, and they were all t- taking big part in the the teams. You know it's true. I'll agree right, with you. Well, Atalanta will Maybe second. You know I I'll love give, Atalanta. I'll give Chelsea. I'll give Chelsea second place. No, no, but, Atalanta is second. Uh, well, I mean, don't they have like they had Damsgaard? No, no, he's nah, not. He's Sampdoria. But they had they had Spinazzola. Isn't nope, he on? he's Roma. God damn it! <laughs> no, no, no. They had Mailey. Mila. They yes. had uh, Mila. Robin Myla. Gosens. Yeah, they had, yeah, they had, Gosens, they had good players. They had, yeah, no, they had the God um, But yeah, no, I thought that. Uh, Di Maria, I mean, the goal was absolutely amazingly taken. And then defensively and, and just on the ball, he's just gotten so much better. I think we have to give Thomas Tuchel, Tuchel a little bit of credit there because I would never seen Di Maria be the type of player that he's been in the last year because he's been amazing for PSG in the last season. And then almost in the last two years, and then for Argentina and during this whole tournament, you know, Di Maria has been awesome. I mean, he, and normally, he had a I would. Good years I at Real Madrid. Let's. I mean, he won Champions League Player of the of the game in the the final when Real Madrid beat Atletico Madrid. He was like one of the reasons, along with Sergio Ramos, that they won that final. But it's like it's his link up play and his work rate and his decision making that have just. 
I don't know if it's just like experience over time or if he's just gotten more coaches, but he's he's vastly improved those three areas of his game. And he was already like we, like he, to get his move to Manchester United, he was already like a goal scoring assisting winger. Like that wasn't something that he's ever had a problem with. It's more the other sides of his game that now he's like a great overall player. Um, and then for 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 the rest of the team, like I think this was great for Argentina because they you know what it's, Messi had lost four finals with Argentina and. They needed this to win it in Brazil, you know, against the host country. It, like it was, I think, vindication for this team. I think a lot of players in the past, you know, who haven't won trophies with Argentina will be looking at it and being like, like on paper, like I, I think Argentina probably have had better teams around Messi, but this was the most like unified and you could tell how much it meant in the celebrations for them to actually win this. You know, all of the players were just like in tears, just couldn't believe that they won, and they all ran to celebrate with Messi because they knew how much it meant to him, um, and how much it meant to like, just like Argentinians in general, because so many Argentinians were like, well, we don't love Messi as much as Maradona because Maradona won us, you know, trophies, and you know now now they they don't have that gripe with Messi, so uh, well, I, I think that's, I think a lot of them may still do, like. Well, they can all go. A, to a hell, Copa America so, um, is one thing, but you know, willing your team to a World Cup is uh, uh, another thing. The way Maradona did, like, it's understandable why to people of a certain age, Messi will never be on Maradona's level in Argentina. Like, yeah, you have memories of if you're a certain age of that tournament, and you just think we had the best player that no one could touch. Like, even the referees didn't see him handballing a goal. Like, <laughs> he could do anything he wants on the field, and will win. Um, and again, I don't think Messi would really be that upset with that because he was probably one of those people. I mean, he was very young when that happened, but he's, you know, raised by those I got I got to also shout out. I shouted out Romero, who I thought was brilliant. Um, I thought the two fullbacks. OK, um, yeah. So I just listened back to the, the, the preview part <laughs> and I made like a throwaway joke like. I mean, who are Argentina's right backs? Like Montiel, like like they're not going to be able to stop Neymar. And then when I he was so and then good. When I checked he was the, so good. Okay, I watched the game obviously, but I was in a bar with my my parents celebrating my dad's birthday, so we were kind of watching it from afar and you know having having the crack as you as you do. So not like fully as focused on like the actual gameplay as I probably would have liked to have been. So I went back and was just sort of like looking at like the lineups afterwards and like the the stats and things. You just saw on ThoughtMob, very popular site for uh, lineups and scores and stuff. They do like their own sort of player ratings and like Montiel, the right back, was voted man of the match. And I was like, God damn it. I'm like trashing him about how he's not going to be able to stop Neymar. And then he just has like, at least in one person's opinion, man of the match performance. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. And, you know. You're gonna fuck up from time to time. I didn't see Neymar do too much. Yeah, and then and then we and then the biggest difference that I thought, you know, from the start of this tournament, what was gonna make a difference is Martinez. I mean, Martinez made yeah three he was the huge difference. saves. He was the difference. Like he was what the the like if you had had any of these previous goalkeepers, Romero, Armani, like all of these players that that Argentina has played. Johnny in Sins the past himself, Willie Caballero. Yeah, Willie exactly. If any of those people had been in goal, Argentina would have lost this like two or three one, you know. But Martinez came up with the saves when he needed to, and like I thought, Brazil were kind of disappointing for me. I mean, I mean they went scoreless in a home final at the Maracanã against Argentina. That's yeah, I didn't. Okay, again, like Fabinho didn't even make the pitch. Like, like I know that he loves say? Fred and everything, what but more like. Can we say? 
And then, like, they started a front three of Neymar, Everton, Richarlison instead of starting an actual striker. Like, he could have started Jesus or, or Gabriel Barbosa Firmino. or Roberto Firmino. He Firmino on a halftime, and they still didn't look much better. He did. He did. But it, it just it seems like, you know, the, uh, that Tite didn't didn't get it right here. And I'm here. Don't you know? It's Chiche. 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 Yeah, okay. But I don't, I don't, I don't know what he was doing here. Um but it didn't really seem like at the in those last 25 30 minutes like Brazil cared that much to win which is a little bit sad that says a lot a little bit sad and like <laughs> yeah it's a little sad you also got to give obviously credit to Argentina for how well they defended and how much they obviously wanted it but you could just tell that the Argentinian players wanted it just that much more even Brazil being at home in front of their home crowd like They've won the Copa like what, like ten times in the last like twenty years or some shit. Like they win every Copa. Not about that. <laughs> I know. Chi- I know Chile won a couple, but like they're 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 always winning trophies. And for them, like a Copa America wouldn't have been a big deal. So I'm glad that Argentina won it and Messi got at least a trophy with Argentina to to you know to get get some momentum into the next World Cup. And you know maybe they can go and do something there. Who knows? Yeah, I think Who it's knows? worth mentioning that. Uh, at least from what I've seen from this Argentina side throughout the tournament, this one most resembles the 2014 World Cup side that was like very defensive, or at least the the team emphasis was on defense. Like they still had plenty of good attacking players, but it, it was for, first and foremost about being a solid defensive block. Honestly, I thought that Argentina side were they were kind of boring to watch. Like I didn't really enjoy any of their games. Like Messi had like a memorable winner against Iran in the in the group stage. There was like a beautiful curler from 30 yards out right at the end. That was like a big moment in the tournament. But like the full 90 minutes, most of the time, it was not fun to watch. Uh, and, and but it got them to a final and only lost one nil to a very, very good German side. So you couldn't criticize it too much. It seems like they've kind of gotten back to that, but they have a bit more uh, like effect in transition, at least. Like Once I heard that Rodrigo de Paul was getting a move to Atletico Madrid, I was like fully locked in on what he was going to do for the rest of the tournament, and then he produces that beautiful ball good, for man. Di Maria. Yeah. And I was like, was oh, okay, good. that's why he's in the team. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so they've got like a, a few more players, like obviously other than Messi, that are, you know, obviously still being very defensively focused, maintaining the shape, uh, you know, not... Uh, keeping that clean sheet first and foremost, but they all are pretty capable of, you know, uh, like contrib- were, contributing uh, going forward. There were nine yellow cards in this game, which just classic South American final where they just beat the classic shit out of Brazil each other. Argentina. Like, like I'm, I was shocked no one got sent off, but you know, it, just overall, I thought it was it was a fun tournament. But you could tell that the players and the teams, you know, with everything going on in South America right now with COVID and. You know the disasters that are happening in like Venezuela, Argentina, Brazil, and a lot of them coming Peru, off cetera, long ass seasons after obviously like shortened seasons and compressed. A, a lot seasons. of people didn't want this tournament to happen, and you could tell like there was there was barely any fans in the stadium. I mean, it just it it, t- it took a little bit away from well, they me, didn't like they the didn't magic allow fans the in the stadium until the final. I'm pretty sure that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So uh, it it felt a little bit to me like just the magic of the tournament wasn't there where it has been in the past and. I don't know, that whole, like, fiasco where they did, like, the double back-to-back Copa Americas, I feel like that also a little bit tainted this one, just because it feels, like, cheaper to have so many of them, and so it's supposed to be every four years, it's not supposed to be, like, every couple of years, so 
Or is it every couple of years? It's usually every two years, but they're switching to every four years and they're going to have it like this summer. They're going to have it in the right. same they summer are switching as every the Euros. Four and then, okay. okay. So yeah, that I, makes I think sense. that's a step that, in the right direction for sure. I think so too. I think that'll make it less cheap or like less like meaningful, meaningless to, to win this type of tournament. So um, I still, you know, like you said, I, I don't think this will completely expel Messi's Argentina demons, but it'll go some way to doing it. And you know, maybe we'll see a freer Messi in this next World Cup. Who knows? But I think that this is a, a great start for this team to to push forward and to springboard into its future. You know, the, they had a bunch. They have a bunch of like young midfielders and defenders, and you know, even even Alessandro uh, Martinez, who didn't really get any early Leandro Leandro Martinez, not Lissandro. Lissandro is like. I, I, I thought Martinez. you were saying that's okay. Oh, oh yeah, that's exactly what I thought you were saying. I was gonna be like, he's he's gonna be like a good player for Argentina in the future. He's only twenty three years old. You know, players like that they have to build around hardworking talent. And Argentina's a huge footballing side. They're never gonna never gonna come out of relevance. But you kind of thought that they were going to the shitter these last couple of years since the World Cup. They haven't been in great form. So glad for them to have at least a little bit of joy, considering you know the shit show that's been their country and COVID and all this stuff in the last year. Um, happy for them that they won. Happy for Italy as well, who I mean have had an awful time as well with COVID and shutdowns and the economy just absolutely going to shit because they're they're mostly a tourist economy. So when your tourism completely goes to zero, like I mean, you can just imagine how much hardship and toil Italy's had. So I think both of these countries needed something to celebrate, and you know, happy both of them got it. And for England and Brazil, like they're they're super how superpowers, they'll they'll be back. Like you know, this England team, they're gonna be they're gonna be. I don't know. Like I think like we can, we can just start on the future. I kind of think pod, that this type of I think that might that might have been England's best shot at a tournament. Possibly, possibly. And Brazil, you know, I think Brazil are gonna have to sort out that midfield. I don't know why Fabinho isn't getting game time and Fred's playing over him. I mean, maybe Ole and Chiche know best, you know? Who knows? But uh, uh, maybe they know better than Jurgen Klopp. Uh, who knows? But, yeah, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm sad that there's now no fo- footy for, like, a month. And, we got Olympics. Uh, I guess we're going to have... Yeah, we get we get some trophy. We get some uh, just transfers. a disclaimer: we are not doing any Olympics football coverage on this. I oh, refuse no. to do no, it, no. But mainly because it's in doing, Tokyo. <laughs> Fuck that! I am not waking up to watch that. We will be doing update pods um, on transfers if we get some big ones. Um, there's already you know trickles of transfers coming in right now. Arsenal made their first signing, Tavares. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll, wrap, I don't know if, we'll do those. Yeah, we'll, get we'll do those in the we'll next one. There. We can we can save it for yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah, Let to, you guys, you know, maybe finalize right. a couple more, uh, maybe like a Ben White or something like that, and then we'll talk about it. Yeah, we might get some Ben Whites in here, Lakonga. But, but let's close this with. I know you mentioned you're happy for both Italy and Argentina. Their their countries really needed it. I think there's no more fitting way to celebrate both of those uh, accomplishments than uh, I don't know if you saw the news yet, but there's there's rumors that the two uh, national sides, Italy and Argentina, are planning a friendly in Naples in honor of Diego Maradona, which I just I'm just like, yes, I'm all I'm all there for it. Put a big mural of Maradona on the stadium, have, uh, you know, have them wear, you know, classic kits from like the 80s or something really go all out on it. You know, let let the 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 most talented players like uh, no hardworking defensive uh, like I don't know thugs in just only the the maestros like Maradona and let's let's just have a nice friendly like four or five and see how it goes. I think it'll be great and it'll be like a sort of good idea as to like which one of them is like a a legitimate contender for the World Cup in a year and a half because uh, 
Yeah, I don't think uh, at the end of the last World Cup, either of us would have predicted Italy or Argentina to be, you know. Wait, I just figured, I think Chiche, I think Chiche hates Liverpool players because he doesn't play Allison, he doesn't play Fabinho, and he barely plays Firmino. So maybe he just hates Liverpool It's, it's entirely possible. It's entirely possible. All right, let's wrap things up there. Javier, thanks for jumping on this one with me. I was trying to think of games to recommend to preview or to look ahead for for this weekend, like Gold Cup or something, but I can't think of any. So, uh, sorry guys, for the first time in a long time, there is nothing for you to enjoy this weekend. <laughs> but you can. Uh, we got NBA Finals. NBA Finals. Yeah. Okay. You guys can enjoy that. You can follow us on social media at JavierRev9 for Javier's uh, Twitter account, ASMOS92 for my Instagram and Twitter, and at GhostGoldPod for the podcast's twitter and instagram don't bother enjoying the football this weekend there's nothing to enjoy but until next time flirt